Okay, so we're carrying on with this um, series called Disciple, where we're looking at the disciples and looking at how Jesus developed and grew and taught them through their time with him. And he put them through their paces. Um, he really did. And we're going to look today at a couple of occasions where he really does put them through their paces. But before we start, just think back a second to the Great Commission where it says, go and make disciples. So take that one step back. If the original disciples went and made disciples, who then went and made disciples, we are then, okay, not immediately related, but you know, we are disciples. So anything we talk about when we're talking about how Jesus developed the disciples, turn on yourself, because this is how Jesus is developing us as well. So the two passages we're going to look at um, today are in Luke 9. So if you want to find it, we'll be darting around. You know me, I I never stay in one place for too long. Um, So we're going to be looking at when Jesus sends the disciples out in pairs on a bit of a mission training trip. Uh, Though it's not so training, as it turns out. Uh, And when he feeds the 5,000, which is one of my most favorite stories in the whole Bible. So that's very good. And both of these passages give us a little bit of insight into how Jesus taught and developed those disciples, and therefore how he might teach and develop us. Uh, So I'm going to pick on Andrew because he's my son and I'm allowed to do that. So Andrew, what is the big thing that is happening in your life this year? 2020, what is happening in your life this year? The really big thing that's happening in your life? Uh, No, apart from my new bath, which is very exciting. GCSEs. Actually, I I didn't know whether you would say that. I'm quite glad you said that, because that's not the big thing I'm thinking about. Yes, you are doing a GCA, so that's a tiny little thing. No, well, I don't think so. <laughs> What's the other big thing? Yes. What's the other big thing that's happening in October in your life? Oh, driving. Driving, yes. So, thank the Lord, Andrew will be learning to drive soon, so I'll be doing less trips up and down the A14. But how is Andrew going to learn to drive? <laughs> so he reckons. He could watch me and his, his father drive, and he could learn so much. <laughs> he could watch a little more and learn a bit more by watching his sister drive. He could read books about learning to drive, although I doubt that very much. More likely, he could watch a YouTube video on how to learn to drive. He could do that as well. But actually, he is not ever going to be able to learn to drive unless he gets behind the wheel of a car. I will, obviously, share with you all when that is going to happen. Okay? So you can stay inside on those particular days. And this is where the disciples had got to. So they'd spent time with Jesus. They'd watched him. They had had their training, they'd had their biblical training all through their lives and from their upbringing, but now they actually had to go and put it into practice. And if it was good for them, it's good for us. So let's read um, the first passage together. Um, Luke 9, verses 1 to 6. We're just going to deal with this bit first. It says, when Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. 
Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, then leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Okay, so let's just concentrate on that bit um, for a while, because it it's that authority word. And when Taya was sharing, when, she got the way she was, when Taya was sharing earlier, it's like, oh, that's a whole big chunk of my sermon. Which I actually, no, no, it's good. Because I thought perhaps God does want me to say that. That's really good. Because there's this bit about authority. He gave them power and authority. Power and authority. And if we are saved, then we have the same Holy Spirit and we have that authority. And if we really understood, and I have to say I probably don't, if I'm honest, I don't think I really trust that this is the case, if I'm totally honest, if we really understood that power, then what could we do? What could God do through us if we really understood that power? That is the key to seeing growth and seeing miracles happen. And we need to have that confidence. If you remember when Peter and John were going off to the temple and they met the guy outside who was begging, effectively, and they said, we haven't got any money, but what we have got, I will give to you. Um, and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. Did, did they gather him round and have a little prayer meeting and pray for him? And No, they just said, walk. It wasn't them, it wasn't their power, it was God's power through them, but they knew they had the authority to be able to do that. Can you imagine? If we went out onto the streets and that's what we did, this is what Taya's so good at. <laughs> yeah, 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 next Saturday, go out with Taya on the streets. They knew, Peter and John knew that it wasn't them personally that had the power. It was God's power through them. They understood that. But they believed that God had done his bit and it was now down to them to release the power um, into this man's life. Jesus told the disciples, if we read that bit again, he said he gave them the power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. He didn't say he gives them power and authority to go and pray for the sick. Actually, he said he went power and authority to heal the sick. It's like electricity. Okay, I have electricity in my house. Yes, I live in a very posh house. (laughs) I don't make the electricity. Okay, granted, I probably could do, because I could have solar powers and all that stuff, but I don't. The electricity company somehow make electricity, and it comes to me through a wire. (laughs) I'm losing my example now. Anyway, I don't know. So it's not my power. I haven't made that power. It's not my power that I have generated. But I have the authority to control that power. So I don't, every time I want to turn, now my children are going to laugh at me now, I don't. Every time I want to turn a light on, phone, phone my electricity company and say, would you mind just turning my living room light on for me? Okay. Now, Andrew has got his head in his hands because we don't actually have any light switches in our house. Okay. Because Brian replaced some of them with sensors, so the lights come on every time you walk around the house, and I replaced some of them with Alexa-controlled light switches. So we actually have to ask Alexa to turn the lights on. But the principle is the same. (laughs) 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 I've delegated the authority to Alexa. 
But I am not the power. I could not put a light bulb in my mouth and make it turn on. I do not... I do not need to phone the electric company every time I turn a light on. I have the power. All I need to do is turn the light on and trust that it's going to happen. Okay, so that's fine. This is good. So this is all very exciting stuff, isn't it? Yeah, we have the authority. Those disciples, they went out. They had the authority. Other people have the authority. Spiritual people have the authority, but not me. Surely not me. God would never trust me with that kind of authority. That's dangerous. What damage could I do with that kind of authority? Surely that kind of authority is for the spiritual people, the really intelligent people, the really experienced people, the people who have a name, a label in a church somewhere. Yeah, those people, they can have the authority, but not me. Not me. That's not true. Have you read much about the disciples? They were a motley bunch. Yeah, they were nothing special. They were fishermen, largely. They were, they made mistakes. They did it wrong. They were just like us. And God gave them the authority to go out and heal the sick and cast out demons. And whoa, if we actually really took that to heart, what could we do? So we can't get out of it. We have to go and be brave, as Taylor was saying. We've got to go and be brave. And when God gives you that little nudge, actually, just go and do it. What's the worst that can happen? You look a bit silly. I look silly most of the time. It's fine. Just get used to it. Okay? Right. So how do we learn? As I said earlier, Andrew's not going to learn to drive a car until he can actually get in a car. So when I go on holiday, this is how I should pack to travel. Yeah? One bag, nice and easy to carry. This is, this is what I should do. I should travel travel light. This is more like how I actually pack to travel. Okay, honestly, the four of us going on holiday, okay, granted with the dog who takes up quite a lot of space, you would think we were going for a year. And then we get home and we unpack the cases. Did we actually wear half of the things that we took with us? No, of course we didn't. So I am absolutely useless at traveling light. But here, the disciples are sent off on a training mission. Okay, they're sent out on this mission trip. And Jesus says to them, don't take anything with you. Don't take anything with you. It's like, oh, flipping egg. I'm absolutely useless. If I was going on a mission trip, okay, I would want my injections. I need a passport. I need money in every currency that a country I'm likely to go through. I need a phrase book. I need clothes for every eventuality. I might need a mosquito net. I'll need a mosquito hat. Charlotte would certainly need a mosquito hat. She hates mosquitoes. I'd need various kinds of gadgetry, yeah, because obviously I couldn't go without my phone, and therefore I need chargers and all those. You know, by the time I've got out of the front door, I've probably got 17 suitcases with me. But here, they're told to travel light, i.e. with nothing. This is a very important part of the training mission. If we read on to Luke 10, you'll see that this happens again, where Jesus then appoints 70 people to go out and perform the training mission. I'm just going to read that passage to you. It says, after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, 
but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. This is the important bit. Carry no purse, no scrip, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Well, when you say sandals, Lord, do we mean that through generic terms, no tall footwear, or are you focusing on sandals in particular? Because I have a really good pair of walking boots, they're fantastic, and I think they would be great because you have commanded us um, to hike around. So there you go. Excuse me, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I get the point you're making. Yes. You see, the thing is that the skin on the bottom of my feet is, is well, it's like my friend Matthew, actually. He's the one who I'm going to go out with because he and I are good friends and we get on really well together. You know, we, we've played together since we were kids. It was, oh, hang on, what was I saying? I forgot, oh. Something about the skin on your feet oh, and that of your friend Matthew. Yeah, so, so me and Matthew, of course, yes. Yeah, so we both have quite soft skin on our feet, you right. see. And, it's, and if we're walking along, like, rough ground with nothing on our feet... It, it's just going to be quite painful and tender. And so I'm thinking, right, so if, if you're wanting us to go out and represent you, then if Matthew and I are going with bare feet, we're going to be like, you know, hobbling along, going, ooh, ah, ee, ooh, ah. And, and you see, that's just not going to look very good, is it? No. I mean, here we are coming to tell the good news of the Son of God, and they're looking at us going like, really? You know, it, it's not a good message. They, they might start mocking you because of our feet. So what about... Could we perhaps, you know, have permission to, like, maybe get some strips of fabric and, and, and like, wrap them around our feet, you know? Because they're not technically sandals, yeah? They're not, like, you know, fabric wrapped around that would just stop us hobbling and... and right, all right, okay, okay. Hold on a minute, hold on a minute. Let me make myself clear. No sandals means nothing on your feet, all right? No walking boots, no strips of rag, no tennis shoes, no high-heeled slingbacks, no wellingtons, no roller boots, no skateboards. Nothing that I might construe a sandal in the broadest sense of the word. Do you all understand? Good. Now depart in twos. Uh, excuse me, Lord. <laughs> yes, Thomas. Regarding your command that we travel in twos. Yes. Uh, no one wants to go with Peter. Well, why does no one want to go with Peter? He looks all right to me. Well, we're all a bit funny, aren't we? Anyway, I've organised it that we have even numbers. Who are you going with, Thomas? Well, no one wants to go with me either, Lord. No one picked me, not even a genius. Well, for all you know, Peter might want to go with you. I doubt it. Well, let's ask him, shall we? Peter, do you wish to go with Thomas? Yes, Lord, but can you ask him that he comes over a bit less effective? He'll be a real eel. Thomas, can you do that? Good. Now, perhaps we can get on. Depart in twos and... Oh, sort it out between you. This whole affair is beginning to feel more like a brownie picnic than the commission to establish the kingdom of God. Now, I repeat myself. Depart in twos. Take neither purse nor scrip nor sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Now, go. Can I take a small face <sighs> can, can I take a small personal toiletry kit? It, it's quite small and it fits in the pocket of my jeans. Can I take a small stuffed animal? <sighs> what happens if we meet the Lord on the road? Uh, would the great man have to say what that is? Oh, right. 
I don't think we've grasped the theory behind this trip, have we? The idea is not that you smuggle sundry items using the crummy excuse that soft toys don't come under the Oxford Dictionary definition of sandals, but rather you depend on me. Understand this. No purse, no script, no sandals, no teddy bear, no Barclay card. Just go. Yes? Uh, regarding your command that we should take no script board. Yes? Well... Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure what a script is, Lord. And while it was, I might uh, take a script without realising I've got that bullet. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know what a script is! <laughs> right. Who can tell us what a script is? Um, um, something that you use in a play? Oh. <laughs> take the weight off your feet. I'll start from the beginning. Right. That extract was taken from a slightly adapted version of an Adrian Plus extract, but doesn't it tell a little bit about how we kind of react when we're given that kind of challenge from from God? We kind of maybe try and bend the rules. Jesus was sending them out with nothing. Why was he sending them out with nothing? To be mean? No. He was sending them out with nothing so that they had to rely on him. And unless we are forced to rely on him, we're not going to. Because we're self-sufficient beings. That's what we're intending. Yeah, we manage our lives on a day-to-day basis pretty well. But actually, God wants us to trust in him. He didn't just tell them what to pack, i.e. nothing. I mean, it doesn't make packing easier, I grant you. He also told them how to go about it. They had to go from village to village. This is the message of God spreading throughout the nation. This is a proper mission. I used the word training mission earlier. That's, that's not what it was. This is the real thing. You sort of think, well, maybe Jesus would have maybe, maybe had a little practice run. So let's go out and let's do a little practice, just a little mission trip first, where it doesn't really matter. Let's go and talk to people who already know the answers. Let's go there. Uh, and then we can practice having nothing and all that kind of caper. No, this was a proper mission. Jesus needed the word to go out, and he sent them. If they were going to have a roof over their heads at night, food on the table, then it was going to happen through God. There was no other way it was going to happen. They had no backup plan. If they'd been allowed to take their own provisions, do you think their message would have been as effective? Possibly not, because they could go and they could prove that they were trusting in God, and therefore the people not only heard what they were saying, but they saw God working through them. They knew the answers. They'd had the learning. They'd had the development. But they were now being forced to put it into practice. Now, not to say that they every time they went on a mission trip, they had to go with nothing. Okay, this was on this particular occasion. Later on, there's another mission trip that gets sent out, and they said, you can take a bag, you can take some bread, and it's all fine. Um, but on this occasion, it was the, the way that Jesus told them to do it was the learning experience. So when God calls us to step out into something new, this was new to them. Remember, they were ordinary people, these disciples. Motley, were 12 of them stood up here last week. Motley-looking crew they were. Yeah. <laughs> Very ordinary, no offense, obviously. Motley crew. So this was a completely new thing to them. This was a scary thing, brand new experience. And they would not have felt equipped one iota. 
So when God calls us to do something that is brand new, we don't feel equipped. If we did, God wouldn't be able to work through us in quite the same way because he needs us to feel that insecurity in a sort of weird kind of way. So have a think. Is God calling you out into anything new and scary? And it doesn't have to be going out to spread the word of God to every single nation before next Friday. You know, it could be something really little, like phoning up your friend and saying, guess what, I'm coming around to pray for you. And then when you get there, going, and I'm going to lay hands on you. Yeah, it's just those little things that maybe push you out of your comfort zone a little bit. So have a think. When we pack, don't always feel that we have to pack everything ourselves. God will bring what we need. Okay. So anyway, the disciples went off on this mission trip, and they had a great time, despite the fact they had no sandals, no bread, no Barclay card, no stuffed toy, no face cloth, whatever. They had an absolutely fantastic time, and they came back, and they were telling Jesus all about it. This is really exciting. So if we read the next little passage, um, it says, when do, I'm going to read it in two bits. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they'd done. And he took them with him, and they withdrew themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. So the disciples had been off. They'd seen amazing things happen. They'd had a really exciting time, and they came back, and they wanted to talk to Jesus about it. And I think they probably wanted that kind of nice, secluded, special time with Jesus. After all that they'd done, they wanted to share their time with him. But then other people came and invaded their space a bit. And you kind of think how that might feel to you. And then Jesus went, hello, everybody. Come along, and I'm going to talk to you about everything that I need to tell you. Jesus gave the crowds a warm welcome. I'm not so sure the disciples were so chuffed, if I'm honest. I was like, oh, for goodness sake. We were looking forward to this nice, quiet debrief day, and now it's been hijacked by all of these people. Anyway, the day goes on, and Jesus preaches, and he heals people and talks to people, and, and it's getting late. And it's late in the afternoon. The 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away. So they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we're in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, uh, unless we go and buy food for all of these crowds. And we're talking a lot of people. We have 5,000 men, plus all the women and children and goats and sheep and whoever else was there. I don't know. Do you think... Now, I'm adding maybe a little bit to the story here, but did the disciples have some nice food tucked away that maybe they weren't so happy to share? I don't think that they went with nothing. I think they will have had something. But they knew, and they'd looked and gone, oh, that's not going to be, we can't share this with everybody. Yeah, There's no way we can share this with everybody, so we'll just keep it sours. I don't know. Whatever happened, they had not enough food. But Jesus said, don't don't worry, sort it out. You feed them. Okay. He said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. That would have been chaos. Can you imagine? Teachers amongst us, you know, getting children to line up in pairs is difficult enough. Getting people to sit in groups of 50 must have been a nightmare. Anyway, the disciples did so and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. This is important. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. Now, at this point, 
He handed them five loaves and two fish. Whichever way around it is. Let's get muddled up. They then had to go, okay, everybody, let's go. <laughs> um, do you think they felt there? A little bit, little bit wobbly about this? I don't know. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So they didn't just feed them, didn't satisfy their sort of immediate needs. He fed them to abundance. Now, personally, I don't know quite how much fish and bread you can eat, but anyway, they were all satisfied, so that was all fine. Now, the disciples had a benefit that we don't have in quite the same way. They had seen Jesus do amazing things. They had seen firsthand what Jesus could do himself, and they had gone out, and they had seen amazing things happen through them. Now, we've seen a taste of that, but nothing like what these guys had seen. Yet they still doubted that Jesus could do a miracle here. In fact, I don't think they even considered that a miracle was what was needed. They just saw the problem, and therefore it can't be done. We need, to, we need to solve this. We need to solve this problem. Send them off and go buy something. They're very practical people. Yeah, they've, they've already worked out in their heads. Yeah, the trustees among them would have gone, oh no, we haven't got the money for that. Absolutely no way. I can say that I'm a trustee, so it's fine. We're allowed, allowed to be nasty to the trustees. But what Jesus did, he avoided all the human interaction and said, right, okay, I'm going to sort this. But he did it through the disciples. Jesus could have gone, I'll feed you all, and they would all be satisfied. But he didn't. He used the disciples to do it. He could have done it himself, but he didn't. He used the disciples. And that's where it's important for us. God could come and sort everything, but he uses us. Now, I've always wondered why he would bother using, I'd use myself, me. You, obviously, I can see why he'd use you, but not, not me. Why does he use us? It's to help us grow. It's to help us develop. The disciples were likely tired and hungry, and the crowd were tired and hungry. It's a fairly mundane, simple problem. They're tired and they're hungry. That's what you say about kids, isn't it, when they're stroppy? Oh, they're tired and they're hungry. Give them some food, they'll be fine. It seems like a really mundane, bog-standard, day-to-day issue. But it was important. It was important to Jesus. And sometimes some of the things we're asked to do feel a bit mundane and ordinary. But God still wants us to do them. And he wants us to use what little we have and give everything we have, even though it might only be a tiny amount, and trust him that he will provide the rest. All we have to do is take that first step forward. And actually trust God and say, okay, I'm going to give you what I've got. I know it's not enough, but I trust that if I give my bit, you'll come and help with the rest. The bit I found interesting, we had an amusing discussion at the Leaders Away weekend a while ago. It's like, what did they do with those 12 baskets of food? Was there a food bank or something? You know, what did they do with them? (laughs) Why were there 12 baskets of food left over? And then it occurred to me, well, that's also another point, yes. Yeah, I have always wondered that as well. Where did they get those baskets from? Did they have their, you know, their Tesco reusable bag with them or something? But anyway, there were 12. How many disciples were there? 12. Who do you think carried those baskets back to the village or wherever they were taking them? 
the disciples. Gave them one each. Gave them one each to carry back as a bit of a reminder, maybe, that actually, look what I did through what little you had. Look what we did with the faith all the way back. So what they did with the baskets when they got back, I have absolutely no idea. They just ate bread and fish for weeks, but, um, but there we go. But what about those crowds? Those crowds were looking for Jesus. They didn't really think about the consequences of it. They just wanted to know about Jesus, and they knew where they could find the answers. They, yeah, they didn't think about packing lunch, or they just followed and went. And maybe some of it was, oh, where's that crowd going? Brilliant, I'm going to go over there. Something exciting. There's always something exciting at the end of a crowd, isn't there? Follow them. But the disciples maybe felt a bit put out, possibly, that they were kind of jumping in on their special time. And they felt maybe a little bit annoyed that they hadn't prepared themselves, this, this unruly crowd, had not organized themselves properly. But Jesus, in his kind and caring way, just turned the situation around and taught the disciples a couple of lessons. One, you need to meet the need in front of you. And no matter how amazingly huge that seems, just meet the need that's directly in front of you. And a little bit of a lesson about faith and having a bigger vision was what he was what he was teaching them. So how do we know what we're supposed to do? How do we know, you know, where's our crowd? Where's our 5,000 to feed? What is it that we're supposed to be doing? And maybe we just need to make it simple. Let's just meet the need right in front of us. Make lunch is a fantastic example of that. You know, we can't feed every single child in Newmarket every single day of the week. But we can meet the needs of families who need food during the school holidays in our local area. I'm not sure I am, oops, I'm not sure that I am as confident as the disciples, um, but I know I'm as scared as the disciples most of the time. And I know I lack the vision sometimes, perhaps, that they lacked. Even though they'd seen everything they'd seen, they still lacked the vision in this particular situation. So what Jesus was... Oh, goodness. What Jesus was doing was training the, the 12 disciples, and consequently what he teaches us to do is to trust in him. So he didn't sit them down, get a PowerPoint up, and give me a flip chart, and give them a good lecture on yeah, what they should be doing when they go on a mission trip. He just sent them out to do it. Yeah. And, you know, went with them. But he commanded them to obey him without having the human means to do that. He didn't necessarily think that they needed to know more, but he needed to, they needed to trust him more. So God teaches us to trust him by asking us to do things that are beyond our means. And we have a choice. We can either say, yep, I'm going to go for it, or, uh-uh, no way. Yeah. Natural tendency? Uh-uh, no way. But actually, think about what we will learn when we go beyond our means. And he uses the human needs that we have to teach and test our faith. We have those needs for shelter and food and warmth and companionship and all those things. 
He sent the disciples out without any of that safety net. And therefore, he knew when they got hungry and when they got tired, they would have to trust in him to solve those needs, to meet those needs. So actually, he uses those natural needs that we have to test our faith. And those human needs are either going to be an occasion where we can practice our faith or they're going to become an excuse for unbelief and disobedience. Because if we say, you're sending me out into something I know nothing about, therefore I'm not going to be able to cope because where am I going to sleep? What am I going to do to eat? Where I can't do that. Then we won't do it. And actually, if God's told us to do it, that's disobedience. That sounds a bit scary. Yeah, because we don't actively want to disobey God. But if he's told us to do something and we use our human needs excuse not to do it, then that is disobedience. And that's kind of scary. God's provision come at that point of total inadequacy. Yeah. Very often we feel completely overwhelmed by the task in front of us. We feel totally inadequate. Almost all of the time. God, Jesus didn't provide for the disciples or the crowds until their human resources were expended, i.e. they'd run out of everything. They had nothing themselves to give. And if we never get to that point where we have used everything, where we are at that point of going, I have nothing more, Lord, you are going to have to do this, then we won't see the fullness of God's provision. And God chooses little things to create a lot. So he could have magic, no, miracled <laughs> a meal from nowhere. But he didn't. He chose to feed the people by multiplying a very simple lunch. And he did it amazingly. And we think, well, okay, the, you know, the, the problems in the world are so huge. The problems in my town are so huge. The problems in my family are so huge. The problems in my life are so huge, nothing I can do will make any difference. And if the disciples said, well, we've got nothing, then God would have done nothing. But they gave what they had, and God did amazing things. If we go, it's a drop in the ocean, I can't do anything, then we'll never see God do what he can do. And if we just give that last little bit, he will do the rest. Now imagine a picture like that, Imagine the church looking like that. Not just the church, but the church looking like that. How incredible would that be if we actually properly embraced the power that we've been given and went out and really 110%, I appreciate that's not a number, trusted in what God can do. Now, there's a challenge. Just a little one. Yeah, let's have a think about that as we go through. So as we carry on this series, think about... Um, Van, do you want to come up? Think about how God wants to use us. I still think that's the most amazing thing. God wants to use us. He wants us to be his disciples. He doesn't want us to be his disciples that just kind of, we've discipled ourselves and therefore we're, we're lovely and we're just going to sit here and learn and be fantastic. He wants us to go out. All of what Jesus was saying was go out and make disciples. If 40 of us went out and each of us made another disciple, how many disciples would there be? 
It's a maths lesson. Yeah? 80. And then if those 80 people went out and made more disciples, we'd have spread around not just Newmarket, we'll take the whole of East Anglia. Yeah? And then the world. Yeah, this message is not just for us. The message is to go and make disciples. And that's what God is training us to do, to go and make disciples. He's not training us to be better super spiritual Christians. He's training us to go and make disciples. Excellent. I'll pass over to Brandon. We're going to finish with a song. I have no idea which one, so I'm just going to let them do their thing. Um, and then I'll come back and finish up to pray. This morning, while we're all here together, that we're no longer a slave to fear. Lord, I pray that that becomes reality when we go out tomorrow, when we go to work, and we get that small nudge from you to say, share your faith, pray for this person. At that point, those fears seem very, very real. And Lord, I just pray that at the point of that inadequacy, you remind us that that's when you come and you use your power and you bring us your power. Just give us the confidence. You've given us that power. Just give us the confidence, Lord, to go out and use it. Amen. Amen.